0: Chapter 30 of The Star Chamber, an Historical Romance, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Star Chamber, and Historical Romance, Volume 2, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 30 how the marriage was interrupted after the presentation of the silver casket as before described the whole of the bridal party with the exception of aveline who contrived to remain behind passed on into the adjoining chamber where the priest was understood to be in waiting to perform the marriage ceremony apprehensive of the consequences of the discovery which must inevitably be soon made aveline would have flown back to her own room but was deterred from the strange noises and confusion she heard within it uncertain how to act she at last resolved upon attempting an escape from the house and was hurrying forward in the hope of gaining the corridor unperceived but the sound of voices outside again drove her back and in this new dilemma she had nothing left but to take refuge behind the tapestry covering the walls which being fortunately loose and hanging upon the ground effectually concealed her scarcely was she screened from observation in this manner when the door was thrown open and a crowd of young gallants evidently from their bearing and the richness of their attire of high rank entered the apartment without exposing herself aveline was enabled through the folds of the tapestry to command a view of what was going forward the youthful nobles for such they were who had just come in were laughing loudly and their jests were chiefly at the expense of the old usurer whose marriage they had been invited to attend after looking round for a moment as if in search of some one to direct them whither to go the foremost of them clapped his hands whereupon the thick curtains which in lieu of a door guarded the entrance to the other room were drawn aside and disclosed a group of persons collected together within that chamber in the midst of them were the bride and bridegroom the former still enveloped in her veil together with the priest and his assistant at this sight the band of youthful nobles set up a shout of laughter and rushed tumultuously forward while the curtains dropping to their place closed upon the scene presently the outer door again opened and this time to admit three persons, all of whom were magnificently dressed, and apparently of yet higher rank than those who had preceded them. As they were masked, their features could not be discerned, but they were all distinguished by rare personal grace. One of them, indeed, was remarkable for symmetry of figure, and his finely proportioned limbs were arrayed in habiliments of the most splendid material adorned with pearls and precious stones and richly embroidered yet he did not seem to hold the chief place among them that by common consent seemed accorded to a young man clad in black velvet who by the majesty of his deportment and the gravity of his manner appeared to exercise a certain sway over his companions and to be treated by them when he spoke with marked respect the third individual was habited in a spanish cloak of murray velvet lined with cloth of silver branched with murray flowers and wore a chain of gold richly set with precious stones round his neck from which depended the order of the golden fleece there was something in the presence of these three important personages that gave aveline a feeling of security such as she had not experienced since her forcible detention by the two extortioners and she almost felt inclined to throw herself at the feet of the one who appeared to be the principal of them, and solicit his protection. But before she could execute her half-formed design the party had approached the entrance of the nuptial chamber, and the curtain being raised for their admittance excluded them, for the moment, from her view. All now appearing quiet she again ventured from her hiding-place and speeded towards the door communicating with the gallery. But her departure was unexpectedly interrupted by the sudden entrance of another masked personage, tall in stature and habited entirely in black, and in him she could not fail to recognize the messenger employed by Sir Giles Mompesson to bring her, in the first instance, to his habitation. Circumstances had subsequently occurred to induce her to change her opinion respecting this mysterious individual nevertheless his appearance at this juncture would have caused her to utter a cry of terror if she had not been reassured by the timely appearance of one upon whom she had reliance and who raised his finger to his lips in token of silence this was luke hatton who at the very moment that lanyer appeared issued from the chamber where the marriage ceremony was being performed be not alarmed fair maiden said lanyer in a low voice you are in no danger and all your troubles i trust are well-nigh ended i thought you were in the marriage-chamber give me your hand you must assist at the mock ceremonial taking place within there i have no time for explanations and indeed they are needless since all will be speedily made clear to you divest yourself i pray you of this muffler it is part of my plan that your features should now be revealed you will understand why anon with this he led her quickly towards the entrance of the inner chamber and pushing aside the curtain advanced a few steps beyond it still holding her by the hand and followed by luke hatton the apartment which was of considerable size and splendidly furnished was full of wedding guests grouped around that portion of it which was railed off for the accommodation of those more immediately connected with the ceremonial amongst whom as a matter of course was sir giles Mompesson somewhat apart from the others were the three important persons who had arrived last and the most exalted among them was seated on a raised chair contemplating the scene while his companions stood near him they had now taken off their masks and even in that agitating moment aveline recognized in the trio the marquis of buckingham the conde de gondomar and prince charles all the rest of the company remained standing and some of the young nobles formed a small semicircle behind the royal chair Lanyere's entrance with his fair companion could not have been better timed they arrived at the particular juncture when sir francis having presented the wedding-ring to the priest was in the act of receiving it back from him in order that it might be placed upon the finger of the bride and the noise made by the promoter who still wore his vizard drew all eyes upon him and upon the damsel by whom he was accompanied a smile of intelligence passed between prince charles and buckingham and some remark was made by the latter to which the prince replied by a gesture seeming to intimate that the interruption was not altogether unexpected by him de gondomar's looks also betrayed that he was likewise in the secret others of the company laughed as if in anticipation of a jest but the majority looked surprised but none so much so as sir giles mompesson as his eye fell upon the dark and ominous figure of lanyer and shifted from him to Avalon. he appeared transported with rage and dashing the ring from the hand of the astonished bridegroom who having his back toward the newcomers, was unaware of what was going forward exclaimed proceed no further we have been deceived look there where where cried sir francis what is the matter sir giles you quite terrify me with your fierce looks help me to pick up the ring and let the ceremony go on it is well for you that it is not completed replied sir giles almost black in the face with collar you know not whom you are about to wed but we will soon see off with your veil minion off with it i say sir giles i will not permit this liberty cried the old usurer you shall not touch her whom should it be but my own dear delectable aveline look round i say and credit your own eyes since you doubt my assertions roared sir giles ten thousand furies ejaculated sir francis as he complied with the injunction why there she is in good truth when i thought she was by my side whom then have i been about to take to my bosom it matters not replied sir giles she you desired to wed is yonder and must take the other's place that is but i forget he added suddenly checking himself and lowering his tone naught can be done except according to rule in this presence your vanity must needs be gratified by bringing together all this courtly company to witness your marriage and now they will only mock you s'death you are right sir giles rejoined the old usurer i am become a mere laughing-stock to my guests but at least i will see my false bride's features you hear what i say madame he added to gillian let me behold your face without more ado as he uttered the command the damsel threw off her veil and stood blushing half smiling and half abashed before the assemblage her natural charms heightened by her attire and by the peculiar situation in which she was placed elicited general admiration as i live tis the pretty tirewoman from tottenham engaged by Luke Hatton, to attend on Aveline, cried Sir Francis, but for heaven I have gained by the exchange. I like her better than the other, and will go through with the ceremony. Proceed, Sir Priest." At this declaration there was a shout of laughter from the assemblage, but the merriment was increased when de Gondomar, stepping up to the bride, said, i forbid the marriage she belongs to me but my claim is paramount to that of your excellency cried the old usurer i cannot admit it rejoined the other let the damsel decide for herself then i will accept neither said gillian dick taverner is already master of my heart and no one but he shall have my hand i have been brought here to play a part on the clear understanding that nothing serious was to come of it.' "'And nothing serious shall come of it, fair maiden,' said Prince Charles. "'I promise that on my princely faith.' "'Then, indeed, I am easy,' replied Gillian, inclining herself reverentially towards the royal speaker. At this juncture Sir Giles Mompesson, who had been hitherto restrained, by the presence of the royal guest from any violent measures was advancing with menacing looks towards lanyer when the attention of charles being directed to his movements by buckingham the prince instantly arose and in a tone of authority not to be disputed said not a step further sir giles i will take care that all needful explanations be given but your highness cannot be aware that this is a heinous offender and traitor rejoined sir giles pointing to lanyer i was about to take means to prevent his escape he has no intention of escaping rejoined charles and i forbid any one to leave this apartment without my permission will your highness suffer me to relieve this fair creature from the embarrassing position in which she is placed said de gondomar the youth she has mentioned and to whom she declares her affections are given was confined in the fleet prison for an attack on me but on my representation of the matter to the king your father his majesty's gracious consent was immediately accorded for his liberation i am aware of it count replied prince charles but your highness may not be aware that the poor fellow is without pursued the ambassador will it please you to allow him to be brought in the prince assented on which de gondomar signed to luke hatton who seemed waiting for the order and disappearing for a moment returned with the apprentice though evidently prepared for the scene that awaited him and not overburthened with modesty dick taverner could not help exhibiting considerable confusion but the sight of his mistress somewhat restored him and he pressed towards her sir francis however stepped between them exclaiming get hence base varlet she is my wife no such thing cried gillian the ceremony has only been half performed i am not married I am yours, and yours only, dear sweet Dickon.' "'You never shall be his—you are mine,' exclaimed the old usurer. "'I implore His Highness the Prince to let the marriage go forward. "'Nay, I shall not allow any compulsion to be placed on the damsel's inclinations,' replied Charles, unable to repress a smile. "'She must choose for herself.' "'In that case, Your Highness, my choice is soon made,' replied Gillian, taking her lover's hand. "'And honest Dickon need not be under any alarm at such part of the marriage as has already taken place,' observed de Gondomar. "'It has been a mock ceremonial throughout. This is no priest, but one of my lord of Buckingham's grooms, employed for the occasion.' Then i have been a dupe all this time cried sir francis furiously oh per blind dolt that i am but he met with no commiseration from the assemblage who only laughed at his rage and absurd grimaces kneel and thank his highness for his goodness said de gondomar to the young couple and then if he will give you leave to do so depart at once "'Stay not a moment longer than you can help it in this house "'or in the neighbourhood. "'Most assuredly I will not, Your Excellency,' returned Dick. "'It is much too near the fleet to be agreeable to me. "'I have to offer my heartfelt thanks to Your Excellency "'for your kindly consideration of me, "'and I own that I have scarcely deserved it at your hands.' Render your thanks as i have said to his highness who is alone entitled to them good fellow said the ambassador take julian home to her grandsire and wed her as soon as you can she will need no dowry he added in a low tone for she is already provided with thirty thousand marks honestly come by i hope your excellency inquired dick aye ay thou suspicious blockhead, do as I have bidden thee, and get hence. More remains to be done to which thou art a hindrance." On this the young couple prostrated themselves before Prince Charles, who graciously gave his hand to Gillian to kiss, and then motioning them to rise, they were allowed to quit the room. Luke Hatton saw them safe out of the house and very well it was he accompanied them for they had many obstacles to encounter before quitting them the apothecary delivered up the silver casket to dick bidding him take good care of it as it contained his intended wife's dowry meanwhile sir giles mompesson who had with difficulty controlled his impatience during the incidents previously described advanced towards prince charles and with a profound reverence said will it please your highness to terminate this idle scene which though apparently amusing to the company assembled is by no means so entertaining to sir francis and myself you shall have your wish sir rejoined charles in a stern tone and with a freezing look that seemed of ill augury to the extortioner it is my intention to terminate the scene stand forth clement lanyer and let me hear what you have to declare in reference to this man hereupon the promoter consigning aveline to the care of a gentleman who advanced towards her for the purpose and respectfully took her hand stepped forward and, removing his mask, confronted his enemy. End of chapter 30